expected an absolute, the second absolute, the uh, first one obviously being always will never be enough. We dealt with that last month, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And this morning we dealt with the second absolute, started the second absolute, on never will always mean never. This morning we studied, and I was encouraged, and I hope that you were, on the promises of God will never change. I thought we would be tonight with a little bit more instructional, maybe a little bit more um, hurting message tonight on God's commandments will never change. But he said not to preach that, and so he basically, everything I thought about, he took it out of my mind, and I said, well, if I can't remember it now, it ain't going to be good to remember it on the stage, so we're not going to go that way. But can I tell you, just by free information, God's commandments don't ever change. And many people say the Ten Commandments is just Old Testament. No, the Ten Commandments and other commandments are all through the Scriptures, and we must realize that God's commandments never change. But tonight, we're going to go a little bit different direction, same kind of umbrella on that thought. Never will always mean never. But I want to begin reading in verse number 20, uh, verse number 32, excuse me, of Matthew 24. And I will make this mention as you're flipping that page. Uh, do remember, obviously we all can't go this week, but do remember that the, uh, uh, the meeting at Leonard Fletcher's church this week uh, started, of course, this morning, but Larry Walker preached this morning, which was a former pastor of this church, and I got to watch a little bit of that, him and Miss Isla Knight, and I know God helped them this morning. Some of you will be going up this week. Uh, my family, my, my immediate family will not, but my mom and dad, they will be going up this week. So pray for Brother Leonard. I know he's been a great blessing to this church, and there were several of ours that was planning on going up this morning, and I picked on Miss Mary again. That's becoming to be a regular thing between me and her. But uh, she said, hey, I'm going to be going up Sunday morning to hear Brother Larry Walker. And, of course, I said, that's fine. He's a much better preacher than I am. I don't, I'd like to go with you, but somebody's got to be here. And uh, I don't want to call Evan on a Saturday night and say, hey, I'm going to Tennessee with Miss Mary and the rest of them to hear Brother Larry. But uh, then she was here this morning. Now, I know the reason she's here is because Brother Jason's mom there in the hospital. And uh, I get that. But I went to her with the opportunity of saying, you just could not do without hearing me preach uh, this morning. So that's why they stayed, her and Miss Sharon and Brother Lloyd. So that's, that's not the real reason, I promise you. But I am thankful for that. But do pray for that meeting this week. And if you've ever been up there, this church has been several times. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth. And just pray that God helps their people. They're people that it's just astronomical what they sacrifice and spend Thirty and forty thousand dollars to make that event happen, and, and all those preachers up in those mountains. But if you've never been there, and maybe you can get away a little bit this week. Don't go Wednesday night unless you've already planned to go. I know some of you have, but Friday night we usually try to go up sometimes and and, and visit with them. But it's beautiful up there, and uh, you think it's cold to get baptized down here? They baptize up there year round. They break the ice to get in the creek, and I'd make sure I got saved in July if I went to his church, whether I was convicted or not. That's when I'd get saved, and we just deal with the rest later. But it's uh, it's a special place. You pray for them that God would help their church, encourage all those preachers that'll be traveling back and forth, and it'll be a great week. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 32. Let's read just a little bit tonight, and then we'll draw an application under this umbrella of that second absolute never will always mean never, and by the way, it will. Verse 32, now learn a parable of the fig tree, when its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of the day of the hour knoweth no man, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of no were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38, For as in the days that were before the flood, and they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. 
Verse 39, and knew, until the flood that the, uh, and, and knew not until the flood came that them always, that, and took them always, excuse me, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse number 40, very familiar, it says, then, there, uh, then shall be two in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Wherefore, or watch therefore, rather, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that the good man of the house had known in which watch the thief would have come. He would have watched and would have, been, and would have suffered uh, his house to be broken up. Verse 44, our last verse. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Lord, we thank you tonight for loving us. Thank you, God, for helping us in the reading of your word. God, I pray, God, you'd help us draw an application tonight. God, that'll help our people. God, help our family here at this church and help us and my family, God, to realize, God, that never still means never. I'm thankful, God, that your promises will never, ever change. I'm thankful for the encouragement of that in our storms and in our, our droughts and our famines. God, in every area in our life, you have been faithful. And God, we thank you for that. Help us now. Help our pastor as he returns home to us soon. Help him be encouraged, uplifted, and recharged. And I thank you in advance for doing so. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So this morning, in the past couple of weeks, we've been dealing with biblical absolutes. Absolutes, obviously, again, we'll go back and say that absolutes are things that never change. Absolutes like one plus one, unless you're asking Nikki, they equal two. And zero plus zero equals zero. Anything that is concrete in our, not only in our physical world, but also in our spiritual world is an absolute. Things that do not change, no matter the circumstances. And we've known that there are some physical ones, but there are also some biblical ones. We looked this morning on the second one. And the second one was this, never will always mean never. Never in our life will the definition of never change to sometimes. Or never will the never definition change to possibly at some point. No, never will always mean never, especially in the scripture. If we look this morning, thankfully again, at God's promises will never change. And I may mention a while ago, and someone else can preach it or teach it, that God's commandments will never change. But out of Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 35, I want to preach tonight just a little bit on this thought. God's word will never change. That's one of the books in the Bible. Now you have different books that are written and it can be rewritten and revived and other things. But God's word, really simply, Brother Harold, tonight, it's not going to be a mind-blowing message, but it is a truth that God's word, Brother Robbie, it will never change. The verse says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And we'll draw an application to that and we'll go home very shortly. But there are many absolutes in these verses. You could preach out of verse 44 on the absolute of the return of Christ because it is an absolute occurrence that's coming in the return of Christ. We don't know the time. We don't know exactly what hour, but the, the setting is described here in verse 37 and others as in the days of Noah were and no. Of course, meaning Noah from the flood, but as the days of his days were and the wickedness that he was dealing with, so shall the Son of Man come now in these days. And we know we're living there, at least we think that we're living there, by what we see going on in our world today. But tonight, I want to focus on that absolute found in verse 35, just for a brief moment, on God's Word will never change. I said a while ago, in my introduction, that Brother Allen, there have been many great books written. I love reading different books, financial books, and different things, and business books, and and sometimes just mystery books and different things that we like to read. And all of you may have favorite books, but there's been great Bible books. I've got plenty of them back there on the shelf and at home about the law and about grace and about forgiveness, about holiness, about instruction and intent. Everything, all these authors that God has blessed 
to write books to help us understand the Word of God. But none of these, but the matter like the Word of God. There's never been another book written. It's not necessarily, I call it a book. We understand that it is a book with pages, but it's much more than a book. It's much more than just something of an author. It is something that's never exhausting. I, I can read a book back there, and I can get something out of it, and though I can go back and read it again and maybe draw another application, the author had one thought, he had one track, he had one text, he had one thought, and that's what he wrote when he wrote those books. You had a book report on a man-written book, on an earthly man-written book, most of the time you're going to come to the same conclusion. But can I tell you that the Word of God can be read by thousands of people and thousands of applications. Though the Word of God is plain and is sure, God can speak to us differently through every text that we read. I'm blown away every December, and I love personal devotion time there at the beach, but I've been there before when Miss Caitlin's come back in or, or Carson or someone's come back in, and they've, they've read, not because I preached it or not because Brother John or Brother Brian or Brother Richie or someone has preached it. They've took their Bible, and they've opened their Bible, and God has spoke to them, and it's blessed us. He's given them outlines that I'm writing down as fast as I can because he's given them something that God was speaking to them. I'm so thankful that I don't have I'm thankful I have a pastor, but I'm thankful I don't have to go to my pastor every day and say, can you read the Bible and can you speak to me by what God's telling me? Now, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, we get fed by our pastor through the word of God. But you know what happens tomorrow, Monday morning, if I open my Bible, Brother Harold, God can speak to me through the Bible just as he speaks to my pastor. And that's the only book that has that power. It is not exhausting. There is no other book like it in all of the earth or ever will be. Isaiah says it like this in chapter number 40 and verse number 7. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, and surely people is grass. You say, Brother Brad, that didn't say anything about the Word. It says the Lord. It says the Spirit. We even go back to Malachi. Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 6. It says, For I am the Lord, capital L, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You say, Brother Brandon, that doesn't say anything about the word or not. But you come to John chapter number 1, the very first verse, Brother Robbie, in John chapter number 1, it teaches us that all of these things, the word, the spirit, it is all one person. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That means what I'm holding is literally, you say, Brother Brandon, that's hard to comprehend, and I understand that, but this is the living Word of God. This is God Himself in paper form. This is Him speaking to me, and that's how it draws its power. If you study that verse in John 1 1, you don't have to turn there tonight, but you'll realize that every, word, every time the word word is in John 1 1, the W is capitalized. Now, you believe what you want to believe if you study your English language, and I'm by no means an English professor, but I can tell you this I believe those words, the literal the word word is a mouthful. The word word is capitalized because it's speaking of a person. A person's name is capitalized. And I believe it's talking about here. It instructs us that God is the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when I say tonight that God's word will never change, it teaches us that God himself for the hair will never change. So I said all of that in a mouthful wide open to get to this point. So because it's a biblical absolute that God's word will never change, there are some things, Brother Matt, that we should understand about God's word. Now, if I had a book about my opinions, and I were to say read this, you can read it, and you can believe it, or you can not believe it because it's Brother Brandon's opinions. 
But when we're dealing tonight, young people with the word of God and young people, some of you, I know Miss Kira and Miss Natalie take good notes. The rest of the boys, they do not. So you'll have some of these notes tonight. We've already dealt with this down there concerning the word of God. But there's some things that because this is the final authority that I should know. I'm not maybe, not might, should know. If this is the final authority and this is what's going to govern my life, as we learned this morning, this is what's going to give me peace in my storms. This is what's going to help my family and my marriage, my finances, and everything to do with life. If it's really that important, what should I know and how can I unlock the Word of God? Because the biblical absolute is the Word of God shall never and will never change. And we know that never always means never. Some things that we should understand tonight, Brother Evan, quickly about the Word of God. Number one, the Word of God is meant to be read. It is. It is not a paperweight, Brother Hoyt. It is not something to lay on a sticker to flatten a sticker out. It is not something to be on a shelf or, and I, I don't mean this disrespectful. We had one growing up, I think. I don't think I ever opened it because it was so heavy. But a lot of times you'll see a family Bible laid out for decoration, and that's, that's okay. I'm thankful people come in, they see the Word of God, and maybe you've got Bible verses on your wall. But the, the Word of God is not necessarily to be a decoration. It is not necessarily to be, though that is fine in its own place, it is meant to be read. Say, Brother Brandon, and I know many of you have, I don't, I don't know this for sure, and I hope that you have more copies, but, but man, when the cleaning ladies come through on, on, on during the week, they ought, they ought not find your only copy of the Bible at church. Hello. Now you say, Brother Brandon, i got 15 copies. Well, so do I. Have you ever left yours here? Yeah. Have you ever, these kids, i got a five Malachi Bible on the picnic table sometimes, and out here sometimes, and I know we have multiple copies. Let me tell you, if you say, Brother Brandon, i got one copy, it ought to be near and dear to you. It ought to be near and dear to you. Brother Brandon, have you ever accidentally left yours in your car overnight? Absolutely. I've left suit coats, kids. I'm just kidding, not kids, but I've left a lot of stuff. The other night, I was packing up on Wednesday night. I left here, and we was loading the trailer for the, the show there in Statesville, and I loaded the Yukon outside, Brother Allen, and I went back inside, and I guess I just thought that I'd closed everything. I went out Thursday morning when it was frost outside, and every door on the Yukon was standing wide open. My leather was frozen. The, the, the little smell good. The tree inside was frozen. Everything was frozen. And I thought about, I'll just shut the doors. Then I started thinking about, there might be an animal in this thing. So I got in there real brave with my golf club. And I'm just kidding. But I, I got in there banging around trying to make sure there wasn't nothing in it. And finally I got out. It was froze solid. I just shut the doors. I made sure it would start. And I said, please, Lord, don't let this thing die on me today going to Statesville. But I said all that to say this in our life. It, it can't be just left in a car. It can't be just left on a shelf. It's meant to be read. You know, when you read the Word of God, it's what changes your life. You say, Brother Brandon, how do you know? Well, it's like an instruction manual for life. Miss Christie gets on to me re uh, daily about following instructions. And most of the time when you buy my children toys, if you do, and please don't, but if you do buy them toys at Christmas time or they get something for their family, she is the one that puts them together. I'm not too proud to admit that. She has her own toolkit. Man, I put toys together in the racetrack. If it looks right and if it's missing a piece, I just say it's meant to be a jump. It is jump from one side to the other side. I hate putting stuff together. I don't like putting grills together. When I'm somebody that goes to buy something and they say you can take the one off the floor or you can take the one in the box. I'm taking the floor every single time because somebody else has already cussed putting it together. And that way it keeps me in the right spirit. But I remember vividly the boys one time, I don't know why we thought bunk beds for Malachi would be a good idea because it was a total disaster. Not only did he not want to sleep in there, when he did go in there, it cost me a lot of money and cast and different things, him jumping off. But Carson came to the house that night, and he was helping me put them together. And, man, it, the, the instructions say five easy steps. 
or 20 easy steps. Well, about two hours later, I called him. And I said, I got to have some help. I had pieces everywhere. There's some engineer somewhere in Singapore or China, something that said thought it'd be good to put not just A, B, C, D. I get that. Then he put A, A, and B, B goes to C, C, to D, D, put a Royden dial in this side. We got all the way to the end. And of course, all the way at the end, we'd done tighten everything up, which you're not supposed to do, Brother Kevin. And so if you want me to build a house, I can't help you. But he gets to the end, and the last screw will not go in. Not a nail, but a screw. It will not go in. It will not line up. And I said, Carson, go get the hammer. And that last one, we drove that screw in that thing. And it never failed. But I give it to John Weatherman. I said, good luck getting the parts. All I know to tell you, because that, I know one for sure, one screw's not coming out. And we drove it in there, and the whole time Miss Chrissy's saying, y'all don't know what you're doing, you're right. I said that to say this, we follow instructions when baking or when cooking or we're putting things together. Most of the time, if we follow them spot by spot, page by page, the end result will be much better. Well, far more important, Brother Travis, than a grill or anything else in our life, when we start following our Bible, and we may not like it all the time, it may be difficult sometimes, we may not understand it, just as I didn't understand those directions, but when I follow and I read the Word of God, my life always turns out better than it did had I not read the Word of God. When I'm making a decision in life, I encourage you to pray, but also go back and read the Word of God because the Word of God is meant to be read. It's meant to be, in, it's meant to be consumed. It's meant to be, it's meant to be comprehended. It's meant to be gathered in and stored in our hearts. So, number one, the Word of God is to be read. But number two, a biblical truth about the Word of God, because the Word of God will never change, we might as well learn it, is that it's supposed to be read. But number two, it is to be respected. And you say, Brother Brandon, you just dealt with that. I did a little bit about that. But I think about this. When we respect something, we follow it. When we respect something, we give it authority. When we respect something, we give it honor. When I say, hey, the Bible says, honor thy father and mother. It talks about respecting them. It talks about giving them honor. It talks about giving them the respect that they've earned. Can I tell you, there's no other book in the world that's earned the respect and earned the honor that our word of God has given us. So when I read it, not only is it reverent, I don't read it flippantly and say, well, that's, that's what that person thinks, or that's what that author thinks, or that's what, I can't believe God expects me to follow that, or that's, I can't believe this and that, and, and forgiving someone 70 times 7, and I'm not following that. Can I tell you, we're basically looking at God, because the Bible said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. I'm telling God, you don't know what you're talking about, and He does. So, Miss, tonight, Miss Linda, if the Word of God is absolute, and we know that it is, it's meant to be read, but it's also meant to be respected. I mentioned it a little bit while ago and just kind of put the nail in the coffin or the screw if you want to drive it in like me and Carson did. When you talk about being respected, not only is it we to follow it, but we're also to protect it. We're to protect it. You see, with the brand, the Bible says that the Word of God will not fade away. No, but I can I tell you, talking about respecting it is also to be protected, not only protected, you know, and taking care of it. It ought to be the most precious book in all your house. But we ought to protect it against outside elements. We talked about that a while ago. We ought to be protected also against those that try to destroy it. There's plenty of people that want to pick this thing apart. You say, Brother Brandon, why are we so adamant? Is it just because we're part of a, a group or part of a, a, you know, our logo right on the sign in the bottom right-hand corner? It says KJV, and we're not bachelor about that. Brother Travis, it isn't because, oh, I'm holier than thou and that, that you can't get, let me, just, let me just bust your bubble and, it, and it, don't take this out of context. Somebody's going to copy and paste this and I'm going to be a liberal before this thing's over. But you know, I could read the newspaper and somebody put in there a story about the gospel and I can get, I can get under conviction reading the newspaper. I can. 
I can hear the girls sing a song, and no doubt many times, Brother Kevin, you've been in services, the preachers never opened the Bible yet, but those girls mount the pulpit, or the pulpit, they mount the pulpit, I don't know, but they mount the piano, and they begin to sing. God begins to deal with heart, and the altar fills up before the Word of God's ever preached. The gospel is far-reaching. Brother Robbie, if someone were to come to me and they ask me often, and, and it's getting worse and worse even in our time, they'll come to me and say, why is your church so adamant about the King James Version Bible? Why is it so important? Do you not, this is, their, this is their thing, and they know they can catch me a little bit off guard. They say, do you not think that someone else can get saved by reading another translation? And I go back to them and saying, listen, you can get saved watching a video. You can get under convicted by reading anything, a book off the shelf or a book at Walmart, and there's some things you might not get convicted on, but God's power is through everything. But this Bible is not just about salvation. It's about instruction. It's about uplifting. It's about knowledge after salvation. And I wouldn't dare allow my children to read a math book that was missing pages. I wouldn't dare allow them to learn the English language that, and just pick a book that leaves things out. So I'm thankful I have the inerrant Word of God. We ought to protect it. And don't go out of here saying tonight, Brother Brandon said it don't matter. We can get saved reading anything. I didn't say that necessarily. I'm saying God's power is powerful enough to save you. There's those out in the wilderness and think about Indians and reservations. They can look at nature. The Bible says that everybody will understand, look at nature and creation and know that there's a God. Whether they ever have a copy of the Bible or not, but we are blessed to have multiple copies. But the Bible is to be protected. It's to be respected. It is to be protected against those others. Now, you say, Brother Brandon, if somebody's talking about my Bible, can I hit them? I wouldn't recommend that. Could I think it's, can I defend it physically? I'm not encouraging that. You heard the story that the, the guy in the back of the church that was mouthing the preacher. And, and uh, you can mouth me. Don't mouth our. I'd rather you mouth me than Brother Brian. But they left. One of the deacons is in the back. It may have been Brother Lloyd. I don't know. He just very back knocked the guy in the face. The preacher ran outside and he said, don't do that. He said, the Lord will get his vengeance. And Brother Lloyd said, just tell the Lord this is one he ain't got to worry about. Because he done knocked him out. So I'm not saying physically have an altercation of, of protecting it, but it ought to be something that you're, that you're adamant about. Man, if somebody comes up and smacks one of my kids, I'm going to get affection. It's going to bother me. If they lay their hands on my wife, Brother Josh, it's not going to go well for them. Can I tell you, if they say something about our Bible or about our God, it ought to have a fire inside of us to stand up and know enough about it to protect the Word of God. It's very important. The Bible is meant to be read. Because never means never, and the Bible said the Word of God teaches that the Bible will never, ever be changed. It will never be taken away. There's some things we should understand. It should be read. It should be respected, which follows by following what we read and protecting it. Can I tell you, number three, not only is the Bible to be read, not only is it to be respected, but we also, after reading it, we should react. The Bible should draw us to reaction. Now, everything I preach, there's going to be some times I preach, and maybe tonight, because this isn't necessarily a salvation message, though salvation's in here. I'm not expecting 50 people to flood the altar tonight. Now, if God convicts you about it, then that's great. Not every message is going to be a moving to the altar. It may be one, it may be two, it may be, you know, God blessed us. As far as I know, Wednesday night, there was no great moving of the altar. Talking about total surrenders, but people maybe in their heart were surrendering. But this morning, not only because it was, it was an emotional part of the service, but also because maybe some of you started thinking this morning that God has been good to us and His promises is real. God squeezed your heart and there was some altar movement. So it's not necessarily reacting by moving to the altar, although that's important. I'm talking about just actually reacting to what you're reading. 
Man, if God instructs you into something into here and it tells me, hey, maybe I'm not loving on Miss Christie like I should. Or, you know, I had to apologize to her today for something already. We got proof in a text message. She's done screenshotted it and framed it because I said I was sorry in a text message. It wasn't nothing great, so don't ask me after service what it is. Ask her and she'll tell you. But I'm telling you this. Reaction is something when I read something and it convicts me or it changes me or it instructs me that I do something about it. Well, Travis, I said that about Miss Christie. If the Bible tells me to love my wife, Carson, let's give you instructions at your wedding as Christ has loved the church. Because I tell you, I don't always do that. I don't always do that. I admire Brother Pope and Miss Pope. I mean, they're, they're like always on a honeymoon. And then he treats his wife like a, I, others in here. And I think, man, I've missed the mark. I hope Christy's not reading everything he's doing for her because I'm not to that level. I mean, it's all the time. Like, it's, it's dinners and, and everything else. I mean, I'm like, she's a queen. I'm thinking, man, Christy feels like Cinderella because compared to, to this marriage, Brother Evan, we got some, a lot of working to do. But I'm just saying in our life, you think about, I'm not going in it alone. I'm taking him with me if I'm going down tonight. But all of us in our, in our mind, man, it, we are to react. So if I read the Bible and it says I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church, maybe I pick up my phone and I send her an emoji and I make sure I send the right one, not the mad face, but the heart face or, or the cat smiling or something like that. And we send it to her and, and make sure that she knows, hey, I love her. She's had some tough days at work this year and I know that. And she deals with kids all the time. And I'm like, you say, Brother Brandon, you're a youth pastor. Yeah, but I'm just saying I wouldn't want to be a teacher. I don't think I could do that. I'd be in jail and y'all be without a youth pastor. But I'm just saying, and maybe we start my prison ministry. I don't what God will let us do, but whatever it takes to get the gospel. But I'm talking about reacting. If I read something in the Bible, PD, and it teaches me right from wrong, there ought to be a reaction. There's power in a reaction to do something about it. So we're talking about a book that'll never, ever change. We're structuring, we're learning that never means never. We're to read it, we're to respect it, but after reading it, we ought to react. Remember, the Brian gets up here next Sunday morning, and I'm hoping he comes back fired up and his bald head is slick and shining. He gets down on that altar, but Miss Christie he crosses his arms. I mean, he just leans back and lets it rip and quotes the whole alphabet and preaches the whole Bible and never looks at it. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I could do that. But I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, he gets down and he says, man, what should we do? When, man, when he's preaching his guts out, nobody get out of ringtones and like crickets when he gets done. He's going to preach it again more than likely and break your phone. But I'm just saying in, in your life, man, when, it, when the word of God comes through our man of God or our revival, you know, Brother Gammons comes, you won't have no better preacher than we had this year in revival and the past revivals and Brother Stroud and Brother Moore and, and, and Brother Gammons. When they came and they preached their heart out. But if we don't react, we're not getting any help. Reaction is all that matters. You say, Brother Brandon, everything's good in my life. Well, let me, this would just tell you it may be good right now, but you're not fooling me and I'm not fooling you. I'm going to have problems tomorrow. And the Word of God is the only book. And I, there's a lot of things that's great, but man, I open this book and Brother Agent, it gives me comfort going into surgery. It gives me comfort for a family that's struggling right now at the hospital. It gives me comfort because when I read it, I react to it and know that I can trust the Lord as we learned this morning. So the Bible is the final, final authority. This is the final word, so I ought to read it. I ought to respond to it. After reading it, I ought to react. But number four, quickly, not only after reading it should we react, but in it we should rest goes back to this morning's message. But can I tell you, why should I rest about it? Because it's unchanging. It is final. It is finished. It is settled. You realize that there is nothing, I think about the story of Job, and Brother Cooper preached one of the best messages of Job I've ever heard Wednesday night at Brother Stroud's this past week. I encourage you to go listen to it. I can send you the link about Job and after this and everything that he faced in his life. We think about the final authority in our life. Why can we go through something like that? I don't wish that on anybody's life, but 
Brother Cooper said, you know, in his life, if he needs encouragement, he'll go to the book of Psalms. But if he needs something to stand on, he can go read the book of Revelation. Because no matter what Channel 12 says tomorrow morning, Channel 8, Channel 2, or wherever you get your local weather, the book of Revelation will never be rewritten, the ending will never change, and the winner will never lose. Now, I know it's hard. I get it. Life sometimes is it, awful. But I read that book, and I, you say, but I don't understand everything about Revelation. I don't either, but there's certain verses when I get there, it talks about me being in heaven and me not being here and me being with him. That gives me encouragement because I can rest in that. I can rest, Brother Harold, if my whole world falls apart and I lose everything tonight. And I may seem super spiritual and say, Brother Brandon, would you survive if you were Job? I would not. I would have not have made it. I would have not been able to hold it together. And I know that. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. But I can find some things to rest in in God's word to where it's absolute. It's not, it's not an if. Man, it, what, what, about, what about if we didn't have the assurity that God was coming back to get us? What if he came and done all that wonderful stuff? There was a place called heaven and it was really there for the angels, but I never got to go. That'd be a terrible way to live. But I can rest in knowing the Bible says that where I go, there you shall be also. I'm thankful that we stand up as an angel, or not as an angel, as Christ in the Easter play and talk about ascending and talking about you coming back. That's, that's a reality. So the Bible is the absolute, and in it we should rest. It is final. It is finished. It is settled. For our families, the, un, the uncertainty of what, what are my kids going to do for a career? I have no clue. What are my kids going to grow up in? What are my grandkids, if God tarries his coming, going to grow up in? Brother Kevin, you're getting more and more girls, and I hate it for you, but I'm thankful that they're healthy. But what are they going to grow up in? What are they going to face? We don't know what they're going to face, but we have the assurity through the Word of God that we can rest knowing that God is going to be faithful. We're going to pray for salvation. We're praying for Josiah. We're praying for others that God is able and willing and wants to save them. And I'm resting knowing that if I do my part and they're on the church pews when the doors are open and they're in revival meetings and they're at home reading their Bible with me, then by the, by the grace of God, they're going to be saved. They're going to know the Lord as their Savior. And I can rest in that. The Bible is a surety and the Bible is true. The Bible will never, ever change and never still means never. So we ought to read it. We ought to respect it. We ought to react to it. We ought to rest in it. But finally tonight in closing, not only should we do all of these things, but the Bible, the, 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 the Word of God, we should remember it. The Bible says this, and one of the greatest truths, and it's crazy because you think you're not retaining it. It says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against God. That word hiding, as a little child, some of you that's here learning your verses and stuff in, in, in Bible school and, and in junior church and different ones, you say, but Brandon, why does it matter? I don't know how to explain it, Miss Jenny, but this is how it happens. When I get put in a situation and all of a sudden I'm thinking of a verse, it'll come to me. Now, it don't always happen like that. Maybe I'm dealing with something that I'm, that I'm facing, like this morning, talking about finding, going back and finding things, but a verse, like when I started looking at this, when I got to this point, immediately that verse came to my heart, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Can I tell you, not only remembering the word of God and remembering the messages, but reading them and reiterating them and applying them to your life, John 3, 16, those verses, Romans, the Romans road, those will come to your mind, and when you need them, although right now, if you were to ask me to quote the entire Romans road, I might miss something. But somehow or some other, Brother Josh, that morning I remember the Hoyt sitting there and it caught me off guard. It shouldn't have. When I turned around, God gave me the words I needed to say because I knew the Word of God and the Word of God had been put inside of me to help him understand that this is what God's Word said. So you say, Brother Brandon, am I going to remember every verse out of every 66 books? No. I remember Brother Brian asked me, you say, why are we not doing the Christmas play, the big one, anymore? Because I begged our pastor, please never make me do that again in my life. But I mean, he said, just memorize it. It ain't no problem. The entire Sermon on the Mount. 
I'm thinking, no, I ain't no problem. God just did it himself, but I mean, I, you know, it's okay. I even asked him, I said, can I put a TV screen like a newsman over here and read it? And he said, no. So I improvised. I put an AirPod in my ear, and if I got stuck, my words were recorded back there on a cell phone, and my darling wife was supposed to mash go to get me going back. One problem with that. We got pregnant. She's in the hospital and had our child, so there goes my backup. So I did the, the only honorable thing. I got Carson to hold my phone back there. And I said, if you click on ESPN or if you click on the Golf Channel and it starts coming through my ears, I'm going to kill you before this thing's over. So every night I look calm, cool, and collected, but there was water dripping out from under my costume thinking, Lord, please help Carson Davis not kill me. And lit I mean, I'm quoting NIV and KJV and BKG and everything else and the Winston-Salem Journal and giving you updates on Texas versus Alabama. I don't know what I've been saying. My point is this. You may not remember the entire Sermon on the Mount, but you can hide God's Word in your heart to when you go through something, you don't have to necessarily have a copy of it. You can go back and say, God, I remember Brother Brandon preached, and, and he said this verse, and then somehow that day, I don't know, I just kept, I kept putting it on a sticky note, and it hid in my heart. I, I remember those verses. I, I remember the truths of them. God, I, I, I name, I'm claiming it. I'm not a name it and claim it kind of person necessarily, but I, I am. I'm, God, I'm claiming that verse in my heart right now. God, I know that you can help me today. And I'm at work right now, and I smell like tires, and I got oil on me, and everything's not right in my life. I don't have a copy of the Bible in my hands. God, but will you please bring that verse to my mind that I can help somebody? You know what God will do? God will give it to you. In your time of need, in somebody else's time of need, you'll have a verse. I remember vividly. I don't, remember the, I don't remember the exact text. And if, I, if I try to say it tonight, God may give it to me, may not. We talked about being made perfect in his weakness. My mom was going through a lot of things. And when someone's sick, I can send them that text and say, listen, you, you know, through your weakness, God is made perfect because it comes to me. You say, why didn't it come to you right then? Because I didn't have nobody to tell it to. I guess because other than just you. But it'll happen in your life. And I said that to say this in closing. Miss Savannah, if you don't mind, you come on to the piano. All of this, this morning we learned that never still means never. And we know that God's promises will never change. But because we believe God's promises will never change, we also can believe God's word will never change. Now, there's a lot. You say, Brother Brandon, I've got another message. I don't think we're going to be anywhere near this on Wednesday night. I have no clue what God's going to do. But I do know this. If this is the last message that I ever preach to this church, if this is the last message we ever go through together, if it's the last part of this series, I never open this notebook up again, never preach it again, don't ever forget that God's word will never change. Never still means never. That's a biblical absolute. God's word will never change. And because it'll never change, we ought to read it. We ought to respect it. We ought to react to it. We ought to rest in it. We ought to remember it. Thy word have I hid in my heart. But the Brandon, that's pretty simple. Can I tell you the word of God is simple? You say, no, it's complex. And it can be complex. When you get down to it, the word of God is written to a people that God loves. The word of God is written about a people that God loves. God wants us to understand it tonight, and God's word will never change. We're standing tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed if we close our eyes. Can I encourage you this morning, maybe you ought to go home, maybe right now, just squeeze your Bible, hold it near to your heart, trust it, follow it, God will never fail you. She's singing tonight, you're contemplating where you are, every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. Hello friends, this is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road, in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. 
We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages. And our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.